This is the Morning Drive Podcast from Double T 97.3, presented by Cantex Roofing and Construction. I'm Mike Hebert, owner of Cantex Roofing and Construction. Every day is game day, and we'll get it right when it comes to your roofing, construction, windows, and mirrors. Call Cantex Roofing and Construction today. Together, we are one serving you. Uh, NFL football from yesterday's Super Bowl is now set with uh, Kansas City and San Francisco as uh, the Chiefs take down the uh, Baltimore Ravens uh, yesterday, 17-10. to 10. Uh, One of the rare times where a team doesn't score in the conference uh, final in the second half and still wins the football game. Uh, it's been quite some time since that happened. But, uh, boy, the, the Chiefs defense was just, just terrific. Patrick Mahomes did not make mistakes. He was uh, 30 of 49, 241 yards through a touchdown. Travis Kelsey was terrific. He had 11 receptions, 116 yards, had a touchdown. Uh, his longest catch was for 21 yards. And then uh, Marquez Valdez Scantling, who had been a guy that had had, had the drops, uh, makes the big catch there at the end to secure the victory and Chiefs going to victory formation. Uh, but, boy, a couple things that, that stood out in this game, the – uh, the fact that uh, uh, Lamar Jackson uh, fumbled, had an interception, uh, they just never never really could move the ball down the field like they wanted to. Uh, and then Zay Flowers with uh, two, two big mistakes. Uh, one, a taunting call that cost his team 15 yards, and then a fumble at the goal line, just trying to reach it over. And uh, much like the Chiefs a week ago, um, the ball goes into the end zone, and it ends up in the hands of them um and uh and then they get the ball at their own 20 so they they survive that yeah really um a tale of two completely different games where the the second game like the offense in the second half was you know up and down the field and mm-hmm. making things happen and and then the first game it was just uh pure defense in the for the most part in the in the second half which was really you know you're allowed to win both ways you don't have to win just uh just on uh, with your offense, you can you can you're allowed to win with your defense too. And uh, Lamar Jackson, his struggles and in, in big games just continue. I mean, not that he was terrible yesterday by any stretch, but um, I, he was. I mean, for a guy that's won MVPs and all that good stuff, pretty pretty mediocre at best. And um, just I kind of felt all along that the Chiefs were a team that has been there and knows how to win those games and finds a way to win those games, and it's the exact opposite for the Ravens in those big games, and ultimately their offense just didn't come through. Uh, Lamar Jackson, 20-37, 272 yards, threw the touchdown, then like I said, had an inter- had an interception. Uh, he had a fumble as well. The fumble didn't come back to uh, didn't, didn't come back to haunt him as the Chiefs were, were forced to, to punt um, as a result of that. And then, and then what the defense did, I mean, it was – it was really spot on. I mean, they they got off the field. I mean, Baltimore was 3 of 11 on third down. Chiefs were 8 of 18. Baltimore did convert twice on fourth down. One of the fourth down conversions, I thought uh, Lamar Jackson was going to take it to the house. The first one, it was it was close. It was like, I think he was so open, he kind of looked around. as like waiting for somebody to hit him and then, and then went down after about a, I don't know, 15, 20-yard run. 
Yeah, and there's the, I mean, it just felt like Lamar never hurt them with his legs and that much at all and, and never just um, took off and put a lot of pressure on them. It felt like their their offensive game plan um, for the Ravens was to keep him in the pocket and look for the big play, and um, he just never, uh, you know, never really <laughs> uh, just decided, hey, I'm going to run it here and be the amazing athlete that I am. It was like I'm going to prove to everybody that I can, that I can, uh, uh, I can, that I'm a good pocket passer, and and kind of took away one of his strengths. Uh, somebody says this wasn't impressed with the play calling in the second half by the Chiefs. Went too conservative and it almost cost them the game well i mean the baltimore defense is really good i mean i mean they were they were taking away some taking away some things from the chiefs there in the in the in the second half i mean you know you're allowed you're allowed to make adjustments um and you know there was a couple times where they just could not um you know pick up a, a big first down or uh uh you know, couldn't you know? Couldn't get uh, Mahomes couldn't necessarily get comfortable there in the second half, but um, they figured out a way to, to do it. Isaiah Pacheco was uh, pretty good in the first half. Twenty four carries for the game, sixty eight yards. He had a touchdown as well. Again, the Chiefs did not score uh, in the second half, but uh, the defense uh, defense came through for him. Uh, somebody says this. I thought the quarterback couldn't catch his own pass. Is it because it went past the line of scrimmage? Uh, well, the ball was tipped, so it was a free ball. So, um, and you know they were fortunate there that Chiefs didn't come down with an interception. But uh, give uh, Lamar Jackson some credit for uh, being tall and being athletic. He's definitely athletic. Yeah, he is. He is definitely. He is definitely that. Uh, in the second game, um, you know Dan Campbell's going to going to be asked questions about you know going forward on fourth down, and that's. That's their MO. That's what they did. But, you know, I, I just think when you have a chance to go up by three scores, um, and you have a chance to answer right away. That's really what you – I think that's what you need to do. Because um, 49ers got the ball to start the second half. They drive down. They get a field goal. And then, um, you know, the, the Lions are driving down, and they get, they get to within field goal range uh, and elect to go for it. And um, the 49ers get a huge stop there, and that, that gives them momentum. Uh, and then they drive down right away and score and makes it a 24-17 to 17 game. So all of a sudden, this 17-point lead, lead evaporates really, really quickly. And then you have a fumble. Uh, and I thought Greg Olson was really good. His analysis of that play on, uh, on Fox last night, uh, immediately talking about how uh, the running back was on the wrong side. They handed it. He was the ball was handed off on the wrong side because he was he was coming through the line wrong, and it allowed the ball to be punched out. and And so the 49ers, four plays later, go down and score. And now, now at that point in time, when it got to be 24-24, I felt like okay, this not that the game's over, but it was going to be really hard for Detroit to win. Mm-hmm. You know, just because of the the momentum that had swung, and then they. And then they get a three and out after that, and then 49ers come back and get a field goal. And then you have another fourth down opportunity uh, where you have a chance to tie the game, get a little bit of momentum back. Um, it would have been a 47-yard field goal. You know, it's and they, they do not have the tried and trusted field goal kickers that say uh, the Chiefs and the Ravens did. Um, but it sure felt like that might have been a point in time where 
it would have been good to uh, to tie up the football game, but they chose they chose not to. They chose to go with what they've been doing all season long, and it's hard to fault them for that. Well, it's definitely worked for them a lot. Um, it's a style that I don't know if Lions fans love it or not. It makes me a little bit nervous at times watching mm-hmm. their games. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're a little bit more aggressive than I would be. I think there's a. Uh, I don't know if Dan Campbell will will look back at it and say, ah, maybe I need to find a happy medium there or not. But, you know, it's definitely worked for him, so you can't criticize him too much. He did an awesome, awesome job this year. Oh, no no question. I mean, they they uh, they, they get really, really close. They've not been, uh, you know, to a Super Bowl. Uh, they're one of the few teams that have not. And, uh, you know, Jared Goff was, uh, was pretty good uh, yesterday for them. Um, just not – not quite good enough, and and Brock Purdy, frankly, uh, what he did with his legs um, yesterday, you know, picking up some some key yards, first downs at times, scrambling. I mean, he 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 acquitted himself really really well uh, in that in that football game, and he he didn't make he didn't make mistakes either. Um, yeah, no, I think he got three good performances by quarterbacks yesterday, and and Lamar's was the only QB who didn't. You know, have a great day. He's, and he's going to be the MVP again, probably. Most likely. Yeah. Yeah. Purdy was 20 of 31, 267 yards. He did throw an interception. He did have a touchdown. Uh, Christian McCaffrey was uh, their leading ball carrier, 20 carries for 90 yards. So the Super Bowl is set. It'll be a week from Sunday. That'll be February 11th. Chiefs with their fourth Super Bowl appearance in the last six years. That ties them with. Um, Buffalo and New England as uh, the only teams to do that in that short a period of time. So uh, quite a start to the uh, Patrick Mahomes career, huh? <laughs> Guy's been unbelievable. He's had a good run. He's had a good run. Six. Now for, not bad for a guy who should have stuck around another year, right, Chuck? Yeah, that's fair. That's that's fair. That's fair. That's fair. Six uh, forty-one this morning here on the morning drive. <clears throat> Your daily dose of sports and fun. This is the Morning Drive Podcast from Double T 97.3. Presented by Cantex Roofing and Construction. Wednesday in sports history today is January 29th, 2024. Here is Jeff McGuire. Here I am. 1936. I don't know how I feel about this one because it's very well deserving. And these guys should be honored. But it's what's used as an example to screw other people. The first players were elected to the Baseball Hall of Fame. Ty Cobb, Babe Ruth, Honus Wagner, and Christy Mathewson, and Walter Johnson, all elected. All worthy. Absolutely should be in the Hall of Fame. But they didn't put one guy in, and he's the guy that uses the example. And I'll give you a hint. We named a a pitching award for him. Cy Young? Yeah. So when people don't put somebody in on their first ballot, it's like, well, Cy Young had to wait. It was the first year. I wonder why he had to wait. Like, make Ty Cobb wait. Nobody liked him. 1948. Commissioner Happy Chandler doesn't live up to his name today mm-hmm. because he finds the Yankees, the Cubs, and the Phillies for $500 each for signing high school players. Happy doing that. Not very happy today. 1966 U.S. Female Figure Skating Championship was won by Peggy Fleming. 1981, AL approves the sale of the White Sox to Jerry Reinsdorf and Eddie Enhorn for $20 million. 
They also approved an 80 percent of the Mariners going to George Iros. Igros, A R G Y R O S, for 104 million dollars. I feel like somebody got ripped off or somebody got screwed. Mm. Okay. 1989, game-winning RBI, the official stat, dropped after nine years in Major League Baseball. New York Met Keith Hernandez is the all-time leader with 129. What year? 1989. They don't use it anymore? I think it's not that people still look at it and comment on it, but I don't know that it's an official MLB stat. Okay. All right. So, like, if you go to baseball reference right now, there's nothing that says game win doesn't list game winning RBIs after 89. Yeah. But you watch a game and you'll hear a broadcaster talk about it. Yeah. I wonder why. I, I have no idea. That's confusing to me. I mean, that's like the clutch stat. Who was the guy that got the hit that? Sometimes it is, but sometimes it's not. It's true, too. I mean, you could score eight in the first, and the guy who knocks in the eighth run. You or know, the first in a shutout. But, but then they score seven the rest of the game. You win eight, seven. The guy who just tacked on the eighth yeah. run in the first is credited with a game-winning RBI. But, I mean, it, was, it wasn't technically very clutch at that point. You just made it eight, zero. And hey, that was clutch. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> In, Winner one without him. That's right. <laughs> yeah. 1989, San Diego Char Chargers hire Marty Schottenheimer as their 13th head coach. It kind of worked out. He didn't get them to what they wanted, though, which was the Super Bowl. And in 2020, Davide Moretti scored a career-high 25 points with four three-pointers, while Terrence Shannon Jr. added 23 points, and Jemias Ramsey had 21 to lead Texas Tech to an 89-81 win over number 12, West Virginia. Mm. Never disappointed when you beat the Mountaineers. It is National Corn Chip Day. So, you know, have some Fritos. Mm. You, do you not eat on the Frito? Definitely not eat on the Frito, but, um, but corn chips, eh, they're just okay. Okay. Happy birthday to Oprah, who's 70, Tom Selleck, 79, Heather Graham, 54, Mark Gasol, 39, Andre Reed, 60, Jose Abreu, 37, and Steve Sachs is 64. And on this day, in 1961, Kansas is admitted to the uh, Union as a free state. It was the 34th state to join the Union. And that's just before all hell broke loose. 19 or 1864? 1864. Okay. Of course, the all hell I'm talking about breaking loose is not Chuck Hines and, you know, Clint Scott come, becoming U.S. citizens eventually, but U.S. <laughs> Civil War broke out in April. So it was of that Kansas year. that brought it about? <laughs> it was Kansas not coming in as a slave state yeah. and lots of problems there and the Missouri Compromise <laughs> and... Mason-Dixon line, and you name it, it all kind of happened because Kansas joined the Union, and that well, is this dance board. glad history. at some point that Chuck and Clint became U.S. citizens. Yeah, That's good to know. Thankful for that. Mm -hmm. right. All right, that is uh, this day in sports history. So going back to the Peggy Fleming note, that was 1966, right? This was 1966, yeah. Okay. So five years earlier, 
and, and this doesn't get talked about, but maybe every every once in a while when Peggy Fleming comes up, because Peggy Fleming won uh, the gold medal um, in uh, figure skating in 1968. But in February of 1961, there was a plane crash that killed all 18 members of the U.S. figure skating team, along with 16 international officials. And Peggy Fleming is the one that is credited uh, with bringing figure skating back into um, prominence in the United States because the whole figure skating team had been wiped out with a plane crash. And there were, there were others that were killed on that uh, uh, plane crash. It wasn't a charter flight. Uh, but there was one survivor, a four-year-old little girl, who was uh, found among the wreckage, still belt, still belted in her seat. But uh, but Pe- Peggy Fleming uh, was credited with the one that kind of brought figure skating back into prominence in the United States because basically she was the only one left because mm. she was not on that plane. Uh, she was still pretty young, but she was she was figure skating at that point in time. She just wasn't on the U.S. Uh, team that was traveling. this morning here on the morning drive. Take your thoughts and comments on the Yates Flooring Center chat line. Go to double-t-97.3.com for that or the mobile app. Visual Edge IT hotline is open, too, at 806-771-0973. Normally, I'm not a fan when fans contribute to the national anthem in a way. Like, I I don't like it when the Chiefs fans do home of the Chiefs instead of home of the Braves during the National Anthem. I, I'm okay with the fans that yell stars, but I do think it kind of is disruptive of, of the singer or the band. But yesterday, before the Chiefs and Ravens game, the Ravens fans, and I'm guessing they do this for every game, the uh, Morgan State Choir was singing. And when it comes to the point where they say, oh, oh say does that, they paused and the whole fans, the whole crowd went, just yelled out, oh, and the choir paused, and then the fans stopped, and then they say, then they started singing again, say does that star. I mean, it was, it was, it was bone chilling. I mean, I thought it was really, really cool that, 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 that the fans knew when to do that, the choir knew when to do that, and the fans stopped immediately with just, Saying their one word, oh, I thought it was. I thought it was really cool. I'd never seen that. Mm, that's cool. But um, that was about all they had to cheer about. They didn't have anything to cheer about after that. It uh, was all Chiefs after that. Six fifty-five this morning here on the morning drive. Take your thoughts, comments. Yates Flooring Center chat line. Go to the Double T ninety-seven three mobile app. Presented by Happy State Bank. We'll talk some Texas Tech hoops. Big wins over the weekend for both the Red Raiders and the Lady Raiders. Your daily dose of sports and fun. This is the Morning Drive Podcast from Double T 97.3, presented by Cantex Roofing and Construction. Good morning with Jamie Lent, Jeff McGuire, and Chuck Hines. We have the high school fan zone tonight at 6 on 100.7. The score coaches from Coronado, Estacado, Lubbock High, and Monterey uh, come into uh, the first United Bank studio. Uh, tonight, uh, we'll have uh, Lady Raider basketball with Krista Gerlich on the air on Double T 97.3 from 6 until 7. Your uh, opportunity to kind of get inside the Lady Raider basketball program a little bit and hear about uh, Saturday's uh, victory over TCU in which uh, Texas Tech won 71-65, to 65, led by Jasmine Shavers in 19 points, 16 from Jordan Merritt, 
uh, her guest on the show, uh, in addition to uh, uh, herself, Krista Gerlich, will be uh, Logan Johnson, the freshman, will be on tonight. So you get a chance to learn a little bit about uh, Logan and uh, her progress. And uh, she's just a freshman, so you hope that uh, you hope we can hang on to her. You know, all these kids, you just, just, you just don't know, right? Man, don't say that. <laughs> well, I know, but I mean, it's, I feel like I feel like you almost have to have to say that. Going well, you hope you hope everybody stays, right? Well, that's been one of the biggest problems is you can't keep anybody. Yeah, yeah. So entice them as best you can, kill them with kindness, make them feel good. She's uh, she's done. She had a couple of really good games back to back. She had uh, fifteen in the loss to uh, BYU, and then come back with another nice performance uh, on Saturday. She's averaging almost six a game in uh, Big 12 play. All right, uh, with regard to uh, the men, we get this from the 8 Soaring Center chat line. Uh, gentlemen, let's take this game by game. Let's just hope we come out healthy and things keep going our way because we're still a long way from March. Yeah. Just hope everybody gets to play and that yeah. everybody has fun. Yeah. Did we say anything that wasn't factual? <laughs> <clears throat> It's not like we said you're going to run the table. Right. It's not like we said that we're going to go undefeated all the way through, you know, home games and win half of our road games mm-hmm. or anything. We're talking about how this team has a chance to finish in the top three. Yeah. You do. We talked about Tech being on top of the Big 12. You are. Let's celebrate what we've got, full well knowing that there's more work to do. Mm-hmm. But if you don't celebrate some little things every now and then, you may miss them. Yeah, just to kind of look at the standings real quick, Tech's 5-1. and one. Iowa State's five and two, Houston's five and two, Kansas is four and three, TCU is four and three, K State's four and three, then Baylor's three and three, BYU's three and four, Texas three and four, Cincinnati three and four, Oklahoma three and four, UCF three and four, with uh, West Virginia and Oklahoma State uh, finishing uh, the bottom of the of the conference, and Oklahoma State with uh, with a win over the weekend. All right. Um, Hey, I wanted to ask you, and I, I don't have the spot in the game where it was. It was late, uh, but it was a it was a a pivotal call. It didn't it didn't go your way? Did you think it was goaltending? Um, or, I. Or it's such think, a tough call. A tough call. I, I think I would have, you know, with my Red Raider glasses on, said no. Mm-hmm. Um, but. Um, you know, it's it's a tough call. Uh, it was it, to me as I was I was watching that and, and then watching the replays, watching the replays. It's kind of one of those deals where if it hadn't been called goaltending, and they went back to look at it, it probably wouldn't have been called goaltending. But the fact that they called it goaltending, and then there really wasn't anything to, it was an overwhelming video, I guess, to dispute that. But it sure looked like if it wasn't still going up. It had stopped going up, but it didn't look like it was going down. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I mean it. It looked like it looked like it had reached its peak. Okay. It didn't look to me like the ball was going down, but it, you know, the the camera angle and the way that you have that sometimes it can play can play tricks on your eyes. But um, they didn't let it bother them, which was which was good and. Um, it, as a result, I mean, you go on to uh, to win the basketball game. All right, let's uh, let's get a couple things here from uh, Grant McCaslin. First, first from him um, is uh, just the the difficulty of of winning the Big Twelve road games. 
you know what it is. I mean, you look at the numbers. I mean, somebody showed it to me today. I think 32% of the I mean, the road wins, just it's as low as it's ever been in the Big 12 and uh, top 25 teams or whatever. It's just a difficult advantage because of the environments. And this environment was awesome today. I mean, when they went on that run and made made the stretch and put it to nine and we had to call, it was wild, you know. And I just, uh, my hat's off to the, the people here because you could tell there was a good energy in this building. I thought it really helped them. Um, but that's what it is. What he said is like, how do you, who enjoys the adversity? And I think we have a group that like actually does like it. You know, they, some people don't. We were playing at Houston. I watched them come off the court and we were getting beat pretty good. And I just wanted to see who was walking off like, this is so hard. Or who was walking off like, let's find a way to win. And I told them that. So I just think these guys walk off the court whenever what happens, like walking into those timeouts talking about what are we going to do to win? <laughs> You know, it's it's funny because we had heard some quotes from him earlier in the week about, you know, players communicating with each other and, you know, talking, you know, either, you know, at practice or after they've had conversation or after games about what. And then they were showing the two huddles late and you could see Porter, Mo- Porter Moser talking to his team and they were he was talking to his team. And then they showed the tech huddle and it was like, I saw different players talking in addition to Coach McCaslin talking. And it's just like, well, that's what he was talking about. You know, kind of players pointing things out in addition to the coaches pointing things out. And it wasn't, it wasn't a pointing at them going, hey, you, you need to do. It was just, it, was, it looked like it was more of a conversation of what they were seeing with each other. And yeah, I thought that was pretty you, good. And if you saw the next break, it might be the completely sure, flipped. sure, completely sure, flipped. sure. Yeah, but I I do like the fact that Coach McCaslin is is uh, respects his players' opinions and lets them have input and all that good stuff. That seems to you would think that would allow the players to feel like, hey, he he listens to us, he values our opinion, um, and that can you know that that helps them have respect for each other and trust in each other and all of those things. And mm-hmm. you'd also think as a, as a coach, you'd be happy because uh, ultimately your players end up there increasing their basketball IQ when they're seeing and noticing those kind of things. Yeah. Yeah. So again, it was a, uh, it was a well-played basketball game and it was a fun game. Um, and it's always, it's even more fun when you come out on top 85, 84 uh, as the Red Raiders, uh, as the Red Raiders win it. Yeah, if we'd had the 84, I don't know that we would have been saying it was as much of a fun game. Oh, no, no. But I still still think I wouldn't have felt bad about the team. I wouldn't have felt bad, Yeah, but it wouldn't have been as much fun. Yeah, and that's what I said before. I mean, we could be two and four, and I'd still be saying, man, we're we're a good basketball team. We're in these games, Mm -hmm. you know. You're you're seeing them, uh, you know, fight and, and just come up a little bit short. But, I mean, again, you've, you know, you kind of expect it. At home against Kansas State or BYU because it's at home in front of your home crowd. You expect 50-50 games to go our way, but you don't necessarily expect them on the road, and that's why Saturday was so huge. Yeah. Any uh, games surprise you from over the weekend in the Big 12? Um, There was a lot of them. I mean, I, I didn't think TC would win at Baylor. Obviously, that was a great game. 105-102, triple overtime. Um. The Oklahoma State West Virginia game turned out to be pretty. Good I mean, game. I would. I, I mean, yeah. I, I didn't think uh, Oklahoma State was going to go over. We talked about that yeah. being probably their best chance of the year to get mm-hmm. a to get a win, and and they got it. So, 
Yeah, not not too much. And, and even the, I didn't expect TCU to win at Baylor, but at the same time, I didn't feel like it was, you know, impossible for them. So, man, it's it's just so tough in this conference that nothing really surprises me. How many more losses for Baylor before you start to wonder if they can get back into the top three? It's a good question. Because they've had some surprising ones this year. Yeah. Then if you're a Baylor fan, you're like, and we got to play those Red Raiders twice. Yeah. 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 No, no question. There's uh, one game in the Big 12 uh, tonight. It's uh, number four Houston playing at Texas. Uh, Cougars are 18 and two. Texas is 14 and six in overall play. And they're, they're coming off of a loss at BYU and Houston's coming off of a, a win at home over Kansas state. Uh, so that's, uh, and they've, and they've got plenty of momentum, uh, going into, uh, going into that one, uh, tomorrow it's, uh, Texas tech and TCU from Fort Worth. We'll have the broadcast for you at five play by play at six. Also tomorrow it's uh, Kansas state entertaining Oklahoma and Kansas entertains Oklahoma state. All right. The morning drive podcast from double T 97, three is presented by Cantex roofing and construction. Time now for Jamie's question of the day on Lubbock Sports Station, Double T 97.3. All right, gentlemen, we're sticking with Big 12 men's basketball, and hopefully we can call it Red Raider basketball. It's just up to you with your answer here. I want you to predict the top three teams and the order of finish in the Big 12 men's basketball conference. Okay. Man. Just so, because that's going to require us to declare a champion in the Big Twelve. That is how the top three works. (laughs) Yes. Uh, I think Houston's going to win it. Um, I think. Kansas will be second. Texas Tech third. As I sit here right now. As we sit, uh, Kansas still has Tech, Baylor twice, Houston, and uh, the other one. They had one more game in here. I was missing it. I had, Those would be the big ones that they've got left. I think Kansas is just going to find a way. It's what they do. To and it, it disgusts me that they do. So I'm going to go Kansas 1, Houston 2. Yeah. I don't know they're ready to say Tech 3 yet. I think I'm going to go Baylor 3, but Tech knocking on that door hard. And I mean hard. All three of those teams know the Red Raiders are coming. Who? So Tech is your fourth team? Tech is, Who tech would is be my your fourth, team? Chuck? Who would be my fourth? Because uh, I was struggling with Iowa State. I think Iowa State would be my fourth. I think I'm exactly where Chuck is. I think I'm Houston 1, Kansas 2, Tech 3, and Iowa State 4. I don't think... Um, I don't think Baylor finishes inside the top four, which is a 
you know, major upset compared to what I thought heading into the season. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Isn't that, that, isn't that two? Now it's just one road game at home that they've lost. Or, excuse me, one game at home that they've lost so far. Yeah, they've lost just one. Yeah. I'm with Chuck. I, I can't give up on them yet. I don't know why. But I just know how talented that roster is. No, it always is. Yeah, no, no and doubt. That they've had losses, but it's not like they've just been... Yeah, but remember, like right now, the Red Raiders have a two-game head start on them, so sure. to speak. Mm-hmm. You know, at five and one. You also still play them twice. Yeah. No, you only play Kansas once. No, Baylor. Talking about Baylor. Baylor. Okay, yeah. Yeah, and they play you twice. Sure, you can make that a four game, just like just as easy. They can even it up. We're probably I mean, going to think split. one place has major home court advantage. Oh, and 100%. one does not. Hundred mm-hmm. uh, percent. Somebody says this big book at Kansas won't finish in the top three. The Kansas roster isn't the same this year. No, I'd agree with that. I mean, they're not the three point shooting team that they've been. Um, they do have the big fella inside, obviously. Um, so. It's hard for me to believe that they wouldn't finish in the top three. I can I can believe that they wouldn't win, win the conference. Hard hard to say that they're going to finish fourth or less. But Again, I, I just asked the question, what do we get yeah. if they're wrong? I mean, but again, if they finish fourth, mm-hmm. I mean, it's Houston, Iowa State, Tech, let's just assume it's yeah. them. I mean, those are, those are going to be really good teams. I yeah. mean, Kansas could still be a top 15 team and finish fourth. Yeah. Uh, Syntex Inc. says this Cougar High 1, Tech 2, Iowa State 3, KU 4th. Yeah. Uh, this Kansas is not winning the Big 12, Houston is. Yeah, that, that's it. Seems to be. Uh, I've just seen so many Kansas teams that were middle of the road early on, <clears throat> maybe even having a couple early losses that just found a way to win the stinking conference. And it would be like at the end of the year, they go on like a seven games uh, trip and win streak. And that would be enough to get them a one win uh, a total over everybody else in the conference. Mm-hmm. And they have they have three road losses and they have to go to K-State, which has been challenging for them at times. They've not always they've not. It's not like they've lost there like at Iowa State, but it's the been it's, gone of do. It's a it's a challenge. They've, they've got to come here. On February the 12th, that'll be a big Monday game. They've got to go to Oklahoma. Uh, they've got to go to Baylor, and they've got to go to Houston. So, man, when when you look at the fact that they've already lost three Big 12 road games at UCF, at West Virginia, and at Iowa State, and they have to still go to K-State, Texas Tech, Oklahoma, Baylor, and Houston. So, I mean... I think it's going to be difficult. Are you going to tell me Kansas can't win those three big ones with Tech, Oklahoma, with uh, Tech, Baylor, and Houston? I'm just going to tell you they've got they've got that would be three huge road wins that they could absolutely get. Yeah, no, no question. But I mean, let let's just say you go three and two. Well, that gives them five losses. There, uh, we could sit here and debate on what Kansas could do all year long until the end of the season. And I'm not going to sandbag the Jayhawks in any way, shape, or form. That is the preeminent basketball team in this conference. This is a team that has won a national championship. 
They know how to do it. Their coach has done it so many times that it's ridiculous that I'm just not going to count them out. And they could absolutely go on that stretch of those road games and even up their Big 12 record, and it would be impressive as hell. I understand that, but I mean, you look at you look at Tech's road schedule at TCU, at Baylor, at Iowa State, at UCF, at West Virginia, at Oklahoma State. I mean, you face some already pretty tough teams on the road, winning at Texas, losing at Houston, and winning at um, Oklahoma. I mean, your chances of winning four games are probably better than KU's chances of winning four games on the road, as you, as you sit right now. Would you agree with that? Tech's chances of winning four on the road compared to KU's? Yeah. Based on this, based on who you're playing. I don't know that I could argue with that. I don't, I mean, I, I don't, you, you, you picked them to finish ahead of the Red Raiders, right? I did. Yeah, but but now you're acting like they have no chance to win the conference. I'm I'm confused. I'm not. Uh, I'm, mean, just saying, it, I'm just saying. I'm just saying. If you look at kind the, of what you two are arguing about. I'm just saying that in terms of winning the road games, if you're you're just looking, I just was looking at the road games just between just between those two, saying that I think Tech has. I'm not saying it's an easier path by any stretch of the imagination, but I'm just saying if you looked at it right now, the way the two teams are playing, the likelihood of you winning more on the road than them winning more on the road is is higher. I no, I wouldn't say that. Okay, all right. Um, somebody asked this question: How did Tech get away from only playing Houston one time? Well, because that's the way the schedule is. I mean, when you have so many teams in the schedule now in the conference now, you're not going to play everybody home and away. That's just the way it is. And after it went the way it did the first time, uh, just say thank you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Just say thank you. Right. Because right. that looked like a team you didn't match up well with. Yeah. And who knows? And, uh, you know, next next year, um, next year may be a little bit different. You may have to pay, may have to play them twice. Uh, and it doesn't look like Houston's going to go anywhere anytime soon when it comes to going – I don't know. They could decide to get rid of their basketball program tomorrow. That'd be okay. We'd let them do that. Yeah. Uh, somebody says this. Based on the schedule, I think the Tech-KU matchup will determine the number two team. Okay. I agree with that. Okay. I agree with that. I was thinking about that earlier. Okay. Uh, this uh, KU and uh, UH have a home and home with each other still remaining, which is big in helping Tech's position in the standings. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, somebody wants to know, so who is beating Houston? Well, I... I think Houston's going to win the Big 12. So, um, at this point in time, I don't know. Because they look to be pretty good. Uh, home or away. Mm-hmm. They look to be the, the class of the conference. And there's about 12 of them in the conference that also <laughs> look really good home yeah, and away. Right, right. <laughs> this is the Morning Drive Podcast from Double T 97.3. Presented by Cantex Roofing and Construction. With Jamie Lynn and Jeff McGuire. I'm Chuck Hines. We come to you this morning from the First United Bank Studio. And look forward to uh, continuing to hear from you on the Yates Flooring Center chat line. Go to the Double T ninety seven three mobile app for that, and uh, you can uh, you can weigh in. All right, uh, a couple things here. I hope the triple OT that TCU played will have worn them down and has lingering effects still on Tuesday night's game, which is tomorrow with the Red Raiders. We'll have it at five. The tip at six. What do you think about that? No, it's a perfect time to play them. Yeah. 
Yeah. And the basketball gods are in your favor. Yeah, maybe so. Mm, perfect time to play them on short rest, even. Sure, sure. Uh, Tang is quickly becoming my least favorite coach in the conference. Terrible com- combination of being corny and a grade-A whiner. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I, I've always kind of kind of liked him a little bit, but now he's, he's definitely like, eh, I don't know. He was uh, kind of a charmed one last year with well, how they did such a great job last yeah, year, yeah. returning uh you know kind of restoring them to some prominence and i didn't you know, have around their roster i didn't have any issue with the stuff that he said about the way he handled everything at iowa state it looked like um um i, I mean it looked like him and uh and iowa state's head man were you know, were cool about it, and mm-hmm. he didn't say it was the reason they lost the game or whatever. And if you were watching the game and the the moment where he got the technical, it was a horrendous call, horrendous call in a key moment. Okay, so I, did I mean, not you see that. you could understand why he got the technical. Yeah, because it was terrible. Uh, somebody says this: which is worth more, one hundred dollars or one hundred dollars plus fifty? <laughs> that's that's fair. That's a that's a fair that's a fair comment. <clears throat> He said, "You know, can't always can't always make lemonade out of everything. You know, sometimes it sometimes it sometimes it comes up a little bitter." Uh, <laughs> uh, somebody says, "This uh, I thought we were going to see the first technical for Grant McCaslin. Love the emotion of our coach. Uh, he he gets after it and gets after his kids as well. So that's it's all it's and they all, respond to it and they do, they do, uh, they do." Let's see here. If somebody wants to know the uh, Associated Press ranking prediction. Tech last week ranked 20th. Do you have a prediction? Uh, I'm going to go 17. Oh, man, that was... We were thinking alike there. That was what was in my head. So I'll say 16 just just for kicks. I like yours better. Just for kicks. All right, we'll have uh, High School Fan Zone on the air for you tonight. Coaches from... Coronado, Estacado, Lavacai, and Monterey. I have not seen the specific lineup of which coaches from which sports are, are coming in, but uh, if you look at the high school scoreboard from over the weekend uh, on the on the boys' side, uh, Estacado with a ninety-four to thirty-nine win over Big Spring. Um, also, Monterey beat uh, Abilene Wiley seventy-four to fifty-five, and uh, Coronado. Lost to uh, Lubbock Cooper, fifty-seven, fifty-six. That was a thrilling. Mm, that was a good one. A thrilling game. Uh, also uh, over the weekend, uh, game heard here on Double T ninety-seven three. Friendship beat San Angelo Central sixty-two to fifty-two. Uh, also on uh, on Friday night, Idaloo a winner over Lubbock Cooper Liberty. That was uh, sixty-five to thirty-eight. The final in that one and then uh and then on the girls side let's see pop to that real quick here uh the uh friendship girls were winners on uh, friday night did they look good yeah they looked like a motivated team after they had lost to san angelo the first time so they beat them second mm-hmm. time around mm-hmm. pretty, uh, pretty easily pretty easily okay that's mm-hmm. good uh, Estacado uh, was a winner over Big Spring, seventy-five to sixteen. Yikes! That wasn't that wasn't very good. Yeah, seventy. Man, a lot of blowouts. Uh, the uh, Lubbock Cooper Lady Pirates 
A winner over the Coronado Mustangs, 86-34. Yikes. Uh, Monterey beat uh, Abilene Wiley, 75-41. And the uh, Friendship uh, San Angelo Central game was 72-49. So that's a little bit of a rundown from the, from the high school games from uh, Friday night. Um, so if you have a uh, thought on that, you can hit us up on the Yates Flooring Center chat line tomorrow. In addition to uh, Texas Tech and TCU from Fort Worth, game you'll hear both on 100.7 the score in double T97.3 at 5, tip at 6. Uh, the Friendship Girls back in action. They'll take on Midland High, both the girls and the boys. That game will be on Sunny 97.7. And the Liberty Girls will take on Abernathy at home and the boys as well. That at 6.30, and we'll have that for you on 93.1 Texas FM. That will be tomorrow. So just... Uh, Two high school doubleheaders for you that we'll have tomorrow. So we'll have three games on the air tomorrow on uh, on our family of stations. So be uh, be looking for that. Somebody says this. Um, I'm glad it's a Tuesday game instead of Wednesday. Only thing better would have been a Monday game. Although, hey, remember our guys traveled and they got to travel again. Uh, although who knows how much it'll affect them, but I'll still take it. Uh, let's see here. Um, crazy listening to the radio broadcast, and on that one call, Grant McCaslin that was animated toward the referee, and you could hear on the radio the ref said, "Yes, Coach, sorry, I blew that one. I did, I did not hear that. That's a sign of a good <laughs> official. I mean, yeah. uh, surely they don't expect themselves to be perfect, and sometimes, I mean, that, that's not, uh, I'm not saying that that doesn't happen, because mm-hmm. I, I think if, I think it, um, you'll see officials that look like they're saying, yeah, I may have missed that one, coach. I may have missed that one, whatever. Um, but good good officials, I think, are are willing to admit they made a mis- make a mistake every once in a while. And, sure. Yeah, and that that's probably, uh, uh, you would imagine, Coach McCaslin at that point is like, okay, he, you know, I get it. We don't get everyone right and kind of moves on. Yeah. Don't you also feel like the, when a ref does that, that it gains some credibility in the future when yeah. you're yeah, when absolutely. you want to argue a call is like coach no he he yeah. was absolutely Ab- fouled. You're there. right, Jeff. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely right. So I mean that 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 kind of react of inter interchange can go both ways and, and proceed to not getting technicals in the future. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I and I wonder too. You know, when a when an official makes an admission like that to a coach, just say to a coach, I, I wonder if they're more likely to admit that to a coach that won't immediately just go crazy um, because they're admitting that they made a mistake. Because there's some coaches you admit that to and it may not be received very well, you know. And there's others that would go, okay, they'd be a little more accepting. Does that mm-hmm. make sense? Like maybe a coach going out to the foul line and sitting down and screaming. <laughs> Could. Might have a, a hard time hearing that an official made a mistake from an official. Could. Could, 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 could be in that, could be in that situation, uh, with without a without a doubt. Uh, Red Raiders win on Saturday. Lady Raiders win on Saturday. We'll hear from Coach Krista Gerlich tonight at six on uh, Double T ninety seven three. Also uh, making an appearance. Her first appearance will be uh, the freshman Logan Johnson, who got her first start as a Lady Raider on Saturday, and she rewarded her coach with uh, 13 points coming off of 15 against uh, BYU the previous Saturday. All right. This has been the Morning Drive Podcast. 
presented by Cantex Roofing and Construction. Check out our library of Double T 97.3 podcasts at double T 97.3.com.